be full of fright. I grant that I was with the devil below in his great big fiery hall, where the devil was giving a ball. I checked my coat and hat and started gazing at the merry crowd who came to witness the show, and I must confess to you, there were many there I knew. Welcome to The Dispatchist, a friendly conversation about hell and some other stuff. This is episode 52 of The Dispatchist, Wild Nights, Wild Hunts. And with me this week are my lovely co-hosts, Victoria. Hello! And Jamin. Hello! And I am Jacob. Hello! 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 Hello. (laughs) Established that. Did you know that there are 52 cards in a deck of playing cards? There are also 52 weeks in a year. Coincidence? Yes. <laughs> we should start a podcast on how many episodes we've done. Every, yeah, it's very short. Every day, we, this is 53. We could like stack them up ahead of time and like it's a 64, 672. I think, well, we are going to do the podcast of Infinite Return where we revisit all of the mistakes and things that we left out of. Some, some of the mistakes. Some, because I mean, there's, there's just too many. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's lousy, lousy with things to rectify. On the subject of recycling material, I did a presentation on inappropriate demonology at the last FurryCon. Okay. So how is that different from appropriate demonology? The demons wear pants. No, they don't. Uh, that's that's the main difference. There was oh the other way. Yeah, they uh, they don't respect boundaries. Yeah, I said everything I wanted to say about Pazuzu basically. And oh, it was okay. It was um, we we've done a couple of this sort of talk, and it was it got polite applause like always, and people asking confusing questions afterwards. But I learned something that was very dismaying. What's that? According to the Malus Maleficorum and the other witch hunting writers of like the fifteenth you know, century or so, demons are not into sodomy. <laughs> So what? They're like that's like a bridge too far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a line. I got the good line. Let me let me pull up the line. I thought you said there's a line we do not cross. <laughs> it's a good line. <laughs> so so okay, but do you mean sodomy writ large? Do you mean sodomy in the way that the modern understanding of sodomy or the legal understanding of sodomy in the in certain states? Well, specifically, this one seemed to be sodomy as the current understanding of sodomy which is like the gay stuff okay so demons are totally not into gay stuff right right demons okay. are not well in the middle ages demons are not into gay stuff i have a caveat of that basically the witch finders this i mean this is a very patriarchy thing the witch finders were very disturbed by the idea that they could be taken by a demon yes from the malice maleficorum blessed be the highest one who has down to the present day preserved the male kind from such disgraceful behavior and clearly made man privileged since he wished to be born and suffer on our behalf in the guise of a man. Okay. Basically, you're writing the rules, and it's like, no, I don't feel like being the victim, and I'm not going to be. Right. This was a context where, like, the entire point of the Malice Mouth Forum was to have exciting imagery of witches having sex with Leonard. It's true, and again, yeah, like, I think anything that is goes against the patriarchy yeah. is going to be damned. And that continues because there's just such a fear of you know, homophobia is all about like just what happens in people's bedrooms, and it's both titillating and terrifying to people who are homophobic. Yeah, well, I continued to do research on demon plus sodomy, which I probably would have been doing anyway. 
Do you uh, type that into your work? I, I sure do. Um, <laughs> and there's a kind of QAnon-esque conspiracy theory that says the demons use sodomy to reprogram people because there's like a magical reset button far up the butt that's hard to reach any other way. Oh, so it's a challenge. Yeah. Well, not for demons. <laughs> so if you can if you can get there, you like put somebody into wizard mode and you can reprogram them. Wow. Yeah. So, so was- instead of, have you tried turning it off and on again, it's turn your head and cough. <laughs> Um, yeah, so what does that mean for, you know, prostate exams? Um, they're a conspiracy to reprogram people, <laughs> I guess. I it's it's complicated and and, and weirdly neurotic. Anyway, that made so me I was glad that, that, you know, opinions on demon sodomy have evolved over the centuries. Or have they? Well, it de- it depends on your ultimate objective. Oh, oh, now that we believe that the okay, yes, yes. So okay, so we now we believe that, you know, Demons are pretty much down for anything. Right, right, right. Okay. And that's, yes, yes, yes. Okay, cool. Now, did you mention the name of the uh, event that you were presenting at? That was uh, Alamo City Furry Invasion. And the panel was an inappropriate, uh, the, the panel title was Kiss the Goat, an Inappropriate Tour of Demonology. <gasps> you, oh, did you actually play the ghost song or sing it or were you singing it in your head please say you were singing it in your <laughs> i was head. singing in my head there were so many okay. like initial audio visual issues that even if i tried i would have just left myself frustrated and disgusted by the entire process you could have just danced it but there were a lot of goats mm-hmm. i feel like we need to figure out a way to dance these presentations like create a dramatic Wow, I'm getting a lot of looks. Yeah, no, expressing, <laughs> I have expressing two left feet. 14th century demonology through interpretive dance. Yes. Okay, I'm, I'm for it. I think we could totally do that. Buer has five left feet. Oh my God. This is true. Uh-huh. That would be both adorable and so, so embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't call this hell news, but I got my copy of the Inferno role-playing game from Akiron <gasps> Books. Ooh. And they're very pretty, and they did some stuff I wasn't expecting. Like, I kind of assumed that everybody was going to be dead in this story, mm-hmm. but the the PCs, the player characters, they're all, they're called the Lost, and they're all people that have kind of dreamed themselves into hell through different ways. So they're so all like, living ooh. people that are like, like Dante was, going through the midpoint of their lives in the underworld. But they're different from the people who whose skins were still operating on the Earth, but animated by demons well i was kind of thinking about that if dante is visiting hell and is still alive is that put him in a similar boat but i don't think he would have depicted himself as that level of sin like those people were so damned that their souls dropped straight to hell even while their bodies were still puttering around okay and we're not we're not there these are like people having a very bad dream or something along those lines they're they're living they're experiencing the tortures that they might get in hell at some point in time is there a set objective like, is the point of the game to get all the way through, or is it we're just going to spend the entire game in the circle of ice and fire, and then that's it, good job, have some cheetos, go home? I don't know. The implication is that through the course of the game, you're visiting a lot of levels of hell. Like, for instance, if you're a thief and you go down to the Malvolge that's like got the snake people in it, and your your thief subclass has a lot of snaky elements to it already, if you're in that Malvolge, you're... You're a lot weaker and like more likely to fall and become a damned soul ultimately. Mm. So I think the implica- implication is that you're going to be doing a lot of journeys and you're on like a quest of some sort. But I haven't gotten to the point where they're really explaining what the plot of the game is. Yeah. Okay. 
it seems like redemption arc is very likely because like one of the central mechanics is based on the idea of hope being important. Hope. Which yeah. is not. No. Like, that's how you know it's a game. Well, I hope that we can play it at some time. It sounds like fun. Yeah. And I have an idea for another game that we could make tens of dollars with. Hmm. It's imagine, imagine if you will, mousetrap, <laughs> but you're building Dante's hell. I feel like <laughs> If we get the Inferno video game interview lined up, that's kind of what that is, because it's very that kind of look and feel. Uh, is it really? Well, like it's physically, kind of like you have little pieces of, of a plastic that you have to pop out of a thing. and It's very Minecraft and looking and kind of chunky okay. and Lego-y. Okay. Mm -hmm. But in real life or virtual life? No, it's, just, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Steam game. Oh. Yeah. But I, I want like plastic things you have to pop out, because that alone is kind of hellish. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, a game I really want you to play at, or see or something I haven't played yet, but it looks adorable. It's called Inkalinati. Oh. And the characters are medieval scribes that create <gasps> drolleries to fight each other. Oh, my God. So there's like animated. <laughs> that amazing. Animated rabbit with sword <laughs> fighting snail, snail warrior thing. How oh, so it's that? like the. I-N-K-U-L-I-N-E-A-T-I. Is it like uh, Marginalia in. Medieval marginalia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's oh. kind of has that look and feel to it as well. That's right. Those are called drolleries. I mm -hmm. forgot. Oh, yeah. This is adorable and terrifying. Oh, that's so cool. Okay, I definitely want to play that. So I feel like uh, there was something else in the news that we wanted to touch on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A popular movie came out and people got upset about it on Twitter. <laughs> Watch this fantasy movie and your child will go to hell. Trust me. What I'm from Texas. The Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> Probably. I mean, are there big green pipes that they go down? Clearly a symbol of a portal to the underworld. Yes. But joking aside, but not for long, what, what, <laughs> are, we, say. what are we talking about right this second? The movie... Hocus Pocus, Pocus, Pocus 2. 2. Right. With magic. Actual magic. That will apparently come through your screen and convert your children to Satan somehow? You better explain the fine points to this, of this one to me. No, that, that's it. Honestly, that's it. Like, oh. there's magic involved. If your child watches it, they're going to hell. So please don't watch this movie. It's like Videodrome, but for kids. I'm pretty sure a lot of people have, you know, brought up this concern to their local media, but the one from San Antonio was by a woman named Gooch. Oh, yes. That was a delightful name. One of my favorite uh, movies, Auntie Mame, has a character named Agnes Gooch, who is a very sad, unwed mother who goes to live with Auntie Mame in her house of ill repute. I do love um, some ill repute. Well, it's not even, I mean, she's just having fun, but lots of people sniff at that. I, I have issues with Hocus Pocus. Really? I do. Oh. My issues are, and bear in mind that I have not seen the movie, however, <laughs> I... I'm so sick and tired of Spirit, the Halloween store, yes. taking up valuable real estate with like everything hocus pocus. And I feel as a Gen Xer that this is one of those moments where the millennials or the Gen Zs are taking over nostalgia. Well, it's a 1993 film, so it's kind of, it's more Gen X, I think. Oh, no. <laughs> Do not say those <laughs> words. It is not Gen X. Oh, that's right. No. I'm at the end of Gen X, not the big, not so, the big point. Mm -hmm. So what you're saying is all your favorite songs that you listened to in college mm -hmm. now play on the oldie station. Oh, yeah. It, but it's called like adult alternative. 
<laughs> I was in the adult which alternative is, party last which week. Which is, oh, so much worse than oldies. <laughs> the golden oldies. Here's Nirvana. Tartan oldies. It is the plaid oldies. Oh, my mm-hmm. gosh. Nirvana. Yep. I'll mm-hmm. try to be brief. Please hear me when I tell you the truth that the witches and warlocks in the satanic church abuse and sacrifice children in their spiritual rituals to gain more power in the underworld. So before you hit play on that night of the premiere of the movie, <laughs> please ask yourself if your children's minds are strong enough to ward off the hypnotization and bewitching trance that will be coming through the screen to aid them in the desensitization of the coming evil in this world. No, the evil's already here. It's just in movies. Yeah. And I mean... Pat Midler will be flattered by that. <laughs> this is like the reverse ring. Instead oh, of yeah. the scary person crawling out of the screen, the children crawl into the screen. Oh, it's like Narnia. It's yeah, like a... Yeah. It's, Except they it's, end up in Hollywood, <laughs> which is obviously pure evil. I was reading this and just thinking like how obsessed these people are with the concept of spiritual warfare and the millennia and that Satan's out to get everybody at the same time. And like, why on earth do we, do we really care about this fiction? I remember some wise words that my, my minister once said at my cookie and key-waving church. <laughs> Someone during a service got up and said, aren't you aware that the world is going to end? He said, yes. But we're Episcopalian, and we have other plans this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Love that moment. Man, I think you should write a, a memoir called Cookies and Key Parties, or I guess Key Waving. It's not Key Parties. There's, there's actually a, a 19th century memoir about the Episcopal Church, or ni- maybe, yeah, late 1900s. It's called Oye Jigs and Juleps. Oh. It's very sweet. Oh, dancing and drinking? Um, Jigs and juleps. It's um, it's from um. Well, a julep from, is a medicinal draught. draught. Well, it's it's referencing a hymn that's that's like praise oh. him forever. It yeah. lists okay. all the things that praise him, and and she she added in oh ye jigs and juleps. I think you should also, if you don't want like cookies and key parties, you could call it. We have brunch plans. The story of my Episcopalian upbringing. <laughs> well, on the subject of brunch, did anybody bring anything to the party? Oh, I did. And it's appropriate for brunch because I brought a cocktail called the Hair of the Dog. Oh, I have that mm-hmm. all over my living room. <laughs> so, uh, as you might imagine, every single bartender has uh, their own Hair of the Dog recipe. Mm-hmm. But a lot of them, uh, disturbingly and short-sightedly, let's say, are made with cream. Which is the last thing you want to drink when you're seriously hungover. <laughs> that would like coat. One would it would think. coat, but it would not soothe nor relieve. But it does but it does hide the alcohol. I guess so, but I don't know, like in my mind, because gosh, I've never been hungover. <laughs> you yeah, want exactly, exactly. I'm I'm Saturday night's gonna be my night. You want rare meat, you want a lot of grease. And you want salt Wait, this and is a, a ton drink? of water. No. Oh no! <laughs> this is just so confused. This is what I. This is what I think. A lot of former, for just people who were drunk hours ago, want, want in their lives. You want greasy food while you're drunk, but not after. Oh, your I want it crazy. after. I want it both. I want both. Uh, yeah, like a fillet of fish from the giant, you know, conglomerate that we don't want to get sued by. That is the best hangover cure. I was writing a little short story for another fur, furry event, and it contained the line, he smelled like wet dog and bar mat. Uh. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh. That is evocative. Oh, but to the drink. 
So it's three ounces of gin, What's quarter it ounce. Oh, sorry, Hair of the Dog. Oh, derp. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's also a really good Nazareth song called Hair of the Dog, by the way. Three ounces of gin, quarter ounce lemon juice, freshly squeezed, two to three dashes of Tabasco sauce. See, that's where the hangover cure comes in. And also chili pepper. Okay. A slice, not a whole one. This sounds zesty. No milk? Zesty. <laughs> oh, God. I guess you could chase it with some, some milk. Okay, so it's- if you wanted to. Basically, it's three shots of gin and some Tabasco sauce. Right, It's not yes. curing your hangover, it's just getting you drunk again. And that's part of the point, right? Like, you want to dovetail out of your hangover gently so you don't get another hangover. Okay. I learned so much about hangovers. <laughs> My brain hurts. Are you hungover? Not yet. <laughs> I don't ever want to be hungover again. My entertainment tonight kind of is reminiscent of a hangover. Mm-hmm. This week's entertainment is being chained to a building made from brimstone and eternally savaged by a jackal. That kind of goes along with the whole, like, what it feels demon like. sodomy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the word was savaged. Okay, so you could be like slashed. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Or just insulted, like bitchily. <laughs> Jackal shade. <laughs> I shall taunt you a second time. <laughs> so, does the building matter? Like, what if you just shackled to a non-brimstone building? Is that better? It's all about the variety of experience. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you stop mid-savage and say, my, this building is very brimstony today? Well, maybe it starts that you're, I mean, this is eternal, so it goes on for a while, but you might start for, like, being shackled to a building made of sulfur, and the mm. jackal savages you, and then when you're starting to get bored or, like, jaded by the entire experience, they set it on fire. Oh. Yeah, so it grows. It's like a level two. Which is what you do with things you're bored with. Kind of like the three little pigs. Set them on you fire. You set them on fire. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Sorry, Joseph. Oh. <laughs> Damn. We see little wisps of smoke coming up behind Jacob. <laughs> edit, edit that part out before you get caught. <laughs> <laughs> Did we have any food for the party? I brought a jumbo-sized bag of cough drops. Oh, yum. Oh. My favorite. <clears throat> uh, you want to look at the mute button every 30 seconds? I have chronic cough, man. Mm. They give you... Exceptional cellular coverage and mm. better data. Mm-hmm. And you just end up with a cough nonstop. What the hell? Was a fi- <laughs> that was a 5G joke for our foreign listeners. Five. And how does that? I'm sorry. I'm so confused. Does, I'm a Gen Xer. What in does other that parts mean? of the world. Uh huh. In other parts of the world, the alleged virus is basically just nanobots which have been injected into your blood, which they control oh. with 5G signal from the new okay. 5g tower okay 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 right ah so thank you bill gates is controlling the masses if you didn't know because you've been hypnotized right there were That's- actually multiple 5g towers that were burnt down in the uk oh. like literally people just burned the towers down and then nobody had cell signal because they were bored brilliant yeah because <laughs> they were protecting themselves from Hocus pocus. I don't know, man. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, I would I would burn down I would burn down the hocus and the pocus. What are is what is our topic today? Wild oh. hunt. Wild hunt. Oh yes. Do, 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 it's do, a good do, do. it's wild a good, hunt. It's a good Halloween topic. Um <laughs> but that kind of opens the question of why is it a good Halloween topic? 
because it signals the autumnal no it signals the one of the equinoxes that leads to winter which one is that well it's either the equinox that leads to winter so how the autumnal autumnal okay equinox, yes so I was or there. the winter solstice so oh that's what it, that's what i was thinking. liminal times on the boundary of like mm-hmm. it getting darker and before it gets lighter again are you sure yes. it's not just hordes of children running through the neighborhood asking for candy or setting fire to things <laughs> well that's that's bonfire night that's true i mean yeah and there's all kinds of celtic holidays at this time of year the wild hunt it seems to be, it's like very active as an idea around halloween mm-hmm. and i was i was kind of wanting to do like a talk on um the fairy tithe but that's kind of related as a concept as well and that's another halloween thing and then it's very very big around solstice and or the winter solstice and we've got also perchta and krampus and a lot of other weird around the turn of the darkest night things happening super weird so what is a wild hunt jacob grimm had some opinions (laughs) well he invented the whole thing or at least invented the words i think he actually had opinions like from oh god he had opinions so okay for me, the wild hunt is so big and so broad and like it goes from West Europe to East Europe to North Europe and there's different leaders. Like if you go through like the list of leaders, it's Santa Claus, it's Jesus, it's it's Attila the Hun, it's you know Satan himself, it's Gwynab Ned. There's so many of these. Like which one do you pick? So I- so short short from though, the leaders is a little bit level two. Um, the Wild Hunt, as an idea, it's a herd of otherworldly riders. Mm. You usually hear them a long time before you see them. And um, there's kind of this association with uh, horns and baying and, mon- and monstrous hounds that ride with them. And they, I, they frequently, it's kind of in the omen of death category or, or they just kill you outright. Like they catch you in the woods and, and eat you. Or they Which hunt- is an omen of death. Although frequently they hunt the dead themselves for reasons, and they're very liminal. They tend to pop up around the transition, but they represent an incursion of the world of the dead or the world of the fae into our world as well. Sometimes they're angry souls of the dead that are vengeful. Uh, They look for battle. That's called the furious host. Sometimes they're the infernal host, which is hosts that come from hell on whatever mission they're on, usually to recover sinners or unbaptized people or otherwise. Um, and there's some related ideas. And then you were talking about like the different leaders, which could be anybody, anybody. Yeah. Charlemagne. Yeah. Charlemagne. Yeah. Once in a while. Don, Don Knotts. <laughs> That's right. He, he, <laughs> the incredible oh, Mr. Yeager. Sometimes the leader. Well, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Oh yeah. And also sometimes it was just, People who are being punished for some sort of excess, like their various... So the wild hunt comes and takes away your credit cards. <laughs> exactly. But they were, there's several stories of people who have become the leader of a wild hunt because they themselves exhibited the, the precursor behavior to being a member of the wild hunt, such mm. as valuing the hunt valuing the the pleasures of the flesh over semi-ironic punishment yep 
Mm-hmm. So they were cursed to lead the wild hunt. My favorite wild hunt is Ghost Riders in the Sky. I was the wondering ghost. if we were going to get mm-hmm. to Ghost Riders in the Sky. Let's go immediately to Ghost Riders in the Sky. I don't have a lot to okay. say on it, except that the idea of the wild hunt from Ghost Riders turns up in the Deadlands role-playing game, which is like the Lovecraft meets the Wild West game. And when your characters get to a certain level of expertise and power, they're guaranteed to encounter the devil's herd who runs them down. It's, I, I love that image. Really great illustrations. So so the story of the Ghost Riders in the Sky, are they also... Um, what nature of creature are they? Are they... Like, what is their their affiliation, good, evil-wise? It's the devil's herd. Okay, okay. So they're the devil's herds. Because there's a similar um, story out of uh, the Netherlands. And it's also in Flanders. But uh, the Wild Hunt is known as the Buck Riders. That's the English translation. Interesting. But, mm-hmm. So they're ghosts or demons who rode through the sky. And they rode on the back of flying goats provided to them by a demon. And they went to visit their lord and savior, Satan, uh, by riding these goats. But the really interesting thing about this is that highwaymen and robbers appropriated that myth to do their work. And so they would kind of, you know, align themselves with that mythology and they became kind of Robin Hood figures in the culture as well. And then they were tried as in kind of witchcraft trials as well, in which many of uh, those figures who were who actually innocent of these deeds were put to death. Highway robbers were tried and put to death for not robbery, but in fact, witchcraft. But probably yep. not mm-hmm. demon sodomy. <laughs> not demon sodomy, no. And and in fact, other just innocent people. So it became kind of a thing that expanded, like the highwaymen and robbers became conflated with the buck riders with this uh, demon mythology. And in that, everybody kind of just became uh, under suspicion. What What year was that? That would have been... That's a very good question. The belief or the stories weren't that old. It's going to be 1400. It's going to be 1400. <laughs> well, did we have highways in the 1400s? Come on. Well, no, because this is this is like directly feeding into the like Black Sabbath. Oh, idea. it is. I mean, that's exactly like, exactly let's right. Fly on goats and go meet Satan. Um, let's see. So the. 1774 that was the first that's very late yeah so it's kind of like you know the adam and the ants uh stand and deliver Hmm. that era of history okay but there's some really good picture there's a really cool poster of a play about the buck riders Hmm. that we have to share Mm -hmm. so one thing we've been saying a little bit and kind of prepping for this show is that oh my gosh the wild hunt is everywhere it's such a big myth that how can you cover all of it And I think that I'm personally going to start out with the exact opposite. And this is an idea that I picked up from the mythological podcast, which is that it's not a big thing. It's like 75 little things that uh, one mythological historian decided was one thing. Um, This is Jacob. Jacob Grimm actually coined the term wild hunt. It might not have been a thing before him, like not the way we see it now. See. I was just going to say, like, Jacob and Wilhelm did a great job documenting everything. And a lot of what they did was documenting and just telling the stories, but they didn't do a lot of explaining. Well, they did some, right? Whereas, like, I feel like 
they did. They they picked up all of these things and they wrote them down. They said, look how similar these are to one another. Even if they weren't that similar. And I said, this is the thing. Right? This is James Frazier all over again. Oh. I know that's a horrible thing to say about somebody, but. But it's also like nationalism because you're creating a national myth, right? Right. So yeah. Jacob, Jacob Grimm was really gung-ho about creating like a German identity, a unified German identity. And part mm-hmm. of his effort was to do that through mythology. An association with, with Odin and... Right, right, right. Like, mm-hmm. he's, he wants to prove that all this stuff is tied to, like, distant Odin myths and things like that. Uh, or at least all, the Wild Hunt specifically is. I don't know about, like, Little Red Riding Hood. I think that's uh, Taylor Swift. Right. She invented that story. That was like way back for Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. That must have been during what? her early phase. Mm-hmm. Wait, um, what? <laughs> so, anyway, Herodotus... When Herodotus, like, reinvented Egyptian mythology to translate it to the Greeks, I kind of feel a little like the same thing. Like, we'll just say these things are what I think they are. And this is very kind of old school folklorist, not like new comparative mythology folklorist. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a bit of comparative mythology, though. Like, and, and also, so let's presume that these tales, this, these these local tales of the Grand Hunt were like, you see people flirting with this guy. I wish you could see my hands. I'm doing such magnificent hand gestures. Mm, it, was, it was majestic. Yeah, like a great gray goose. <laughs> Localized <laughs> wild hunts, right? Which were old stories, right? Yeah. And there's a couple of things that happened in the 400s. One, okay, so we're talking about the 400s AD. So I'm not, not that old. Okay, so couple things happened. One, Attila the Hun came through. Okay. And murdered just about everybody. Okay. Right? And so that kind of impacted people's uh, views on the world. Like, whether they were living or not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and two, Christianity kind of started making its way out. Mm-hmm. Right? Like... Yeah, like 400, 600 it started spreading north here. So, once you get Christianity coming in, right, and impacting and, you know, adding syncretism where they're saying, oh, here's your old faith. This is what your old faith means in your new faith, right? So, yeah. the wild hunt is this bad, scary thing. So, my question was like, what was the wild hunt or the, the, the hosts? Like, what did these people do before Catholicism kind of syncretized everything, right? Like, there's some stories of instead of being a wild hunt full of angry people hunting down, but the calm progression of gods as they walk across the sky and also thunder and lightning. Right. right. And that's... Was it... Rather than... Cons- that's not a wild hunt. That's... That, like, the image of, like, the, the ghost rider in the sky driving a pack of banging hellhounds and chasing down the souls of the dead. Like, that's the iconic wild hunt. And that's... That... That is grimy. And before then, there's, like, a lot of stuff that kind of feels the same... But it's not necessarily. So I think we, we need to kind of pause almost every time we say wild hunt because, like, it doesn't really quite predate Grimm entirely. It's just myths mm. that Grimm said are the same. Um, and, and, and his own definitions are so blurry. I mean, it could be demons. It could be the souls of the dead. It could be unbaptized infants. It could be God. It could be the devil. It could be Odin. It could be just a, another spirit of the dead. It could be Charlemagne. Like it's, it's a little like 
I mean, there's a lot of, like, they feel very similar in some ways, which makes it a more satisfying myth. But I don't think it actually goes way back because it's like all these disparate elements that kind of weave together in hindsight more than in in real time. Hmm. Well, do you think then, I mean, and this comes from, I'm just kind of putting this together or trying to put something together in my head, but there are stories of various individuals sort of deflecting or protecting themselves from the wild hunt by either praying or one one farmer falls down and ranges himself into the cross and I think stops. That, that's very underambitious. He should have actually crucified himself. <laughs> he Why? really should have. But that was to uh that was to dissuade one of the one of the lady leaders. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering is is you know the wild hunt just about encroaching fear of apocalypse of maybe we should open up some of the stories you think i mean this is kind of like the hocus the the hocus pocus like (laughs) okay we're afraid of witches controlling us through our tv sets we're afraid of demons appearing suddenly in the night and just decimating our countryside well it feels like if we roll back really far like the wild hunt is is fear of the dark and fear of the unknown and fear of nature. Like you, and fear of the sky. Yeah. Sky is <laughs> of really, things in the sky. Really frightening. So mm-hmm. yeah, like there was like, this is the sound of Odin chasing the souls of the dead. And then you hear the, you hear the wild hunt a long time before you see the wild hunt. Mm-hmm. So like thunder and noise is kind of a part of the story. And, and fire because the, one of the Odin stories talks about how no houses could be built on a road that Odin had traveled previously because he will come back and any houses that are built on that road will be burnt up. You're supposed to kind of throw yourself down to protect yourself from, from Odin's wild hunt, which is also the way people believe they should protect themselves from lightning. Hmm. Mm -hmm. It's one of those poor quas stories. But I feel like Odin's been down a fair number of roads. He's a very old myth. And like, like mm-hmm. probably can we not build new houses ever? Oh, I see. No, Mm-mm. never. Okay. Nope. I think we gave it up. I think we gave. But once we figured out what lightning and thunder really are, right? But you have to build houses very far away from roads in Germany, like in the middle of of, of absolute nothing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you want to be close to the werewolves <laughs> who come and steal your beer, <laughs> according to some of the myths. <laughs> so the the wild that's, that- that's just how you that's how you explain it to like. It's like, what? Is the the beer's all gone? Damn those werewolves! <laughs> I know. Oh. Also, I know. Can, I, can I have some hair of the dog? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's to ward off evil. <laughs> so the last time we picked up the wild hunt, we were talking about Krampus and specifically Frau Perkta, and that was in what in a fairly early when when was that was like a thousand AD, twelve hundred AD or so. When does Frau Perkta begin? Let's let's turn to uh, my uh, our brains, also known as the Wikipedia. But so so clarify for me something, and and maybe there's no clarification because this is a world of of uh, everything is essentially the same thing and it's all made up. But so Holda, because I have some stories about Hol or I have a story about Holda or Hala, who's also confused with hell. Are we going to be using Perkta that- and Hala interchangeably? They kind of are. So- that was my question. How inter- I mean, one is more bloodthirsty than the other. I, I read a couple of 
articles talking about how Hola is not nearly as bad as Perkta. Like, sure, she steals children, but you know, she doesn't eat them necessarily. So the Perkta, the Perkta imagery of the Wild Hunt. Sometimes it's like a parade of the dead, and kind mm-hmm. of by extension, some of the mysterious creatures, like the Fey type things. And that seems more more graceful and 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 calm. But sometimes she like gets into the Odin style chariot and like goes on a thunderous tirade. She's probably invoking like the Valkyrie myth there, where she's gathering the souls of the dead, at least the ones that aren't owed to Odin, take them away. Mm-hmm. So she kind of tears in and just swirls around in her chariot thing and like grabs up these souls and, and drags them off. They were already dead though, which is kind of a de- deviation from a lot of the wild hunt scare things, which is that they, they can take you away in real life. One of the stories about, uh, or Holda is also associated with the souls of unbaptized children because she collects them. And so she has an army of screaming, <laughs> rampaging children following her along. That sounds horrible. I would say you can. Yeah, it does sound terrible. I would <laughs> Is say it worse sh- than Valkyries? You can yeah. use them interchangeably, kind of in the way that we have, like, Pallas and Athena. Like, they're the same person, except one person has a hat and a spear. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's the same person, but this is me when I'm angry. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's like, the, I become a different person. It's the Snickers commercial, where it's mm-hmm. like, you've mm-hmm. got Perched cruising along, somebody gives her a Snickers, and then, oh, she calms down there. She's these, you know, hold her again. Put that on our vision board. We're going to recreate all the Snickers ads yeah. to be about these figures. <laughs> so the whole unbaptized children thing seems like it's possibly a Christianized part of the mythology. <gasps> mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, yes. go figure. <laughs> As, I'm, 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 I'm guessing. I'm, I'm just kind of, maybe I'm projecting my own, my own thoughts on this. But mm-hmm. the later Christianized versions of the Wild Hunt, they're very keen on um, – like unbaptized babies and infants and things like that. Like anybody that wasn't baptized or is like a major sinner could not be buried on hallowed ground. They're buried outside the churchyard. Right. Okay. So, sure. so they were kind of outside in like the, the theological wilderness. And that was a place where the wild hunt could come and pick them off. So in like the post purgatorial world, I guess like 1200 or so, the I, one idea of the wild hunt was they could come in and steal souls that were in purgatory or limbo. Which gives me the delightful image of like this riders and wild baying hellhounds and like a bunch of babies frantically crawling away from them as fast as they can. <laughs> On their chubby little legs. Right. It's like a very <laughs> like, it's a very like B. Kleban art image Screaming. for me. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. Gosh, see, now that's a Gen X thing. Kleban, he really, yeah. Never eat anything bigger than your head. Go and look it up. And all of the, the Kleb- I had so many things with those cats on them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, babies running on their little chubby legs as fast as they can away from away from <laughs> Hearn the Hunter or whatever. <laughs> oh, but uh, so also uh, Holda slash Perkta is associated again with witches mm-hmm. and the assumption that, you know, the flying, the witches Sabbath. Yeah. All yeah. of that. And that is a later addition too. Really? Again, that, that was what I was reading that again, that was a kind of uh, Christianity and its patriarchy accusing women who did not behave uh, of being witches. I was reading about like the church getting getting very stuffy about the idea of flying with Diana. And apparently mm. there was a very like women story, women telling about women or like this sh- kind of shared visionary idea or 
female only myth that women would dream themselves flying with the goddess Diana on on various missions. In a 14th century canon episcopy written by Bertrand of Worms, so Worms connection. Mm. They discuss Bertrand discusses the like the foolishness of this belief and the foolishness of the women that believed it and they're probably being fed these ideas by Satan and ultimately Diana as someone you could travel with through the night flying gets replaced by the devil and flying to the black sabbath and this kind of this in different incarnations this whirlwind of flight towards evil is like something that gets fed in different ways to the black sabbath of the 15th century so here's a question how did anybody prove that women were dreaming themselves into these flights i think they argued that they didn't like no one was trying to prove it they were just well you don't do do you really need to prove that women are foolish I was <laughs> just going to say. It's the Middle Ages. It's an assumption. Come on. Uh-huh. So, but I guess what I mean is, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's, I mean, I, we know. We know. Um, But it just seems like, you know, an accusatory thing, like you dreamed yourself into this bacchanalia. How do you know? The, f- the Frau Perta imagery of her, like, walking with the solemn dead is... Like one lane of things that have been folded into the wild hunt, the idea of the procession of the dead. And there's some really great imagery associated with this, but it's kind of this like knights and the souls of the dead and maybe unbaptized sinners slowly walking towards their destination. It's kind of like a, a weird nightmare vision, but like a calm one. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. That sounds kind of nice. I, yeah. There's a, a neat story which I think ties into some of our big ideas here. And this is not like the Wild Hunt, I think, but it turns up in like Wild Hunt legends, so there's that. There's a an abbot named Orderic Vitalis at the Abbey of St. Everolt in Normandy, 12th century, writing his various histories of what's going on at that point in time. And he's on volume eight and takes a break from like this endless warfare that he's writing about. Talk about events reported by a young priest named Washelin. And the date of this report is January 1st, 1091. So we're in the heart of Epiphany mm. there. And that is mm-hmm. like one of the times when Wild Hunt is generally very active. He describes a procession of the dead, which gets kind of conflated with the Wild Hunt meta myth, I guess. And the hunt was led by a man, a great big man with a mace saying, go no further. And then thousands of people walked by, peasants of all the processions and women with side saddle on horses. And when the women were riding on side saddle, they're saddles had red hot nails in them and as they bounced with the horse they'd like land on the nails and get spiked over and over again a bunch of sinner priests dressed in black robes groaning and lamenting and an army of black riders whose horses were like burning them on the beers sat men as small as dwarves but with huge heads like barrels one enormous tree trunk was borne by two ethiopians and on the trunk some wretch tightly trussed with suffering tortures screaming aloud in his dreadful agony a fearful demon sitting on the same trunk was mercilessly goading his back and loins with red-hot spurs while he streamed with blood. Washelin recognized him as one of the slayers of the priest Stephen, whom he knew, and realized he was watching unbearable torments for, sh- for his guilt in shedding innocent blood two years earlier, uh, and he died without completing his penance. So, what I see here is not the wild hunt. I see a hell vision, but one that parades past me like a, like a Disney um, black, black ride or something like that. Like, this is a hell vision you can experience standing still in Normandy. It walks past you with all the same tortures and torments you'd get, all that same kind of, the same kind of ironic torments. It seems lazy. 
Like, instead of having to, like, voyage your way through, you just sit back and watch? Well, it's a different take on the same myth, but I think this kind of shows how important it was for Christians to kind of fold things into an allegorical redemption story no, mm. at, at any cost. Mm-hmm. So, if the one dude had completed his penance, he wouldn't be tortured. Well, and then and then Washelin would have picked a different name, honestly. It was, someone had to be there to be tortured. What the Catholic Church is telling you is, do your penance or else. Yes. Put a penny in the box. Say 740 Hail Marys. Yeah. Put another penny in the box. Yeah. This too could be you, sinner. Yeah. Yeah. Hell was great propaganda. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And it kind of fits in with the whole Grimm's fairy tale idea of punishing insolence you know, avarice, laziness, uh, giving oneself over to pleasure again, because there's just so many stories where the you step on a loaf of bread, go to hell. Exactly. Like, oh, you really like those shoes? Guess what? <laughs> go to hell. <laughs> now, I just found and this was just a, um, like I forgot to look something up and I found this really interesting story that touches on a lot of these themes but the la shah galerie is also it's a french canadian story have you heard about this no no so it's a it's it's a variation on the theme of the wild hunt because it involves a flying canoe so it's like the flying dutchman but how canadian in canoe form <laughs> how canadian i don't yeah, i don't think so, canoes fly well but goats do <laughs> goats fly i've seen it faith that's how they get into trees well, there's a picture here showing a canoe flying, so I think it's true, oh. but it's a tale of lumberjacks. If it's in an um, etching, it has to be true. <laughs> <It's> tr- <laughs> and it involves lumberjacks uh, who, you know, are um, never, never involved in anything sketchy, but they made a deal with the devil. So after, after drinking, a group of uh, lumberjacks made a deal with the devil so that they're canoe could fly through the air to their destination quickly because they were trying to get back um they'd been out drinking they went out to visit their girlfriends they needed to get back to work so they made a deal with the devil to get back to work on time of course this meant that they lost their souls and so they were damned to continue to fly uh forever in their Sounds canoe wonderful. they show up on new year's eve non-stop the, canoe flight sign yeah, me up Hey, Satan. Oh, go ahead. Satan. Yes, Leonard? I've got a new one. We've been doing this for like <laughs> 2,000 years. There aren't any new ones. No, no, Satan. This is a new one. I promise. Someone <laughs> wants to sell their soul. Yeah. For a flying canoe. <laughs> that is very specific, Leonard. Yes, Satan. <laughs> but yeah. But it comes back to, again, the, the story of a rich noble person who loves to hunt and as a result, refuses to attend Sunday Mass because he'd rather hunt. Mm. And you, he, ergo, becomes the leader of the, the wild hunt. He and the girl in red shoes could get together, I think. They could have mm-hmm. hear some stories. Yeah, yeah. So as mothers are telling these stories to their sons, in Canada, of course, mm-hmm. is the moral, don't skip work to hang out with your girlfriend or don't go drinking? Like, which, which of the evils are we trying to avoid here? That's a very good question. Because it's kind of that one sort of a... Or don't go canoeing. Com- 
it's kind of a cluster of evils, right? Mm. You know, and is it the lying? Is it the? I mean, laziness seems to be at the root of it. Because <laughs> uh, Hola Holda slash Perkta would punish lazy uh, women. Yeah, she, or anybody who was lazy. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. like I imagine her more as like slapping people who haven't done their chores rather than like mm-hmm. going after the souls of the unbaptized infants and things like that. That's probably a later edition. Yeah, like it's kind of the 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 well the story like she would if somebody fell asleep while they were working they were clearly working very hard so she would finish their work for them. However, if they left their work too early, she would destroy the tools of their work. Huh. Middle Ages Germany is very punitive. <laughs> it really is. Speaking mm, of the patriarchy yep. and lazy women, <laughs> I learned something. Uh-huh. What? <laughs> I'm, yeah, please, please. I want to hear this. <laughs> so, I was told, I was told by a source, having not mm-hmm. checked my sources. Okay. So I was told that the word slut originally just meant a lazy woman. Oh, yeah. Like slattern. Yeah. Sl- mm-hmm. sl- okay. And then- the the takeaway from this was dust bunnies. Like, if you don't sweep under the furniture, dust bunnies You get called... sluts under your bed. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's where they came from. Dust bunnies were called sluts wool. Sluts wool. Sluts wool? Like the wool of a sheep from because uh-huh. they were lazy women. So it's like, oh, I see there's sluts wool under the bed. Wow. Huh. Totally different connotations. Yeah. Interesting. Thank you for that, Jamin. Anyway, uh, our next studio <laughs> album will be three tracks on Sluts a wool. EP. <laughs> Another thing that kind of varies widely in your specific uh, version of the Wild Hunt is the person leading the Wild Hunt, which is not always Satan or Hearn the Hunter or something that makes sense. It can be very weird. You can get like Charlemagne and other historical figures. Yes. Cain uh, is an option. He gets mm-hmm. up to all sorts of things. The Herod. Herod is an so, option. So Herod, mm-hmm. my main mental image for Herod is the chubby decadent guy in Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I know. That's all I can think about. So him oh leading the wild hunt. <laughs> really doesn't quite work in my head. <laughs> so, do you want to talk about Hearn the Hunter? Yeah, is, is Hearn just another name for Gwynapnidid? Gwynapnidid? I think you're right. Let me... What did I do with Hearn? Oh, Hearn the Hunter. So, he's a ghost associated with Windsor Forest and Great Park in the English country county of Berkshire. But the exciting part, do you know what he looks like? Don Knotts. <laughs> the incredible Mr. Stag. Um, he is said to have antlers growing from his head. Yeah. So he rides a horse and he torments cattle and he rattles chains. So he actually makes cl- cows g- give blood instead of milk, which I think is probably just cowpox. Wait, so, um, so Hearn the Hunter is not like a, a, a god incarnation? He's a ghost story? Well, he is a ghost. Um, well, they uh, some of the stories claim that he was a suicide, and so that's why he is being punished by doing by being a leader of the wild hunt. However, he's also thought to be Kernos because of the horns. Yeah. Oh, 
Mm-hmm. And the associations with the underworld, like Odin and several of these other figures are associated with the underworld. Hmm. Yeah, because that, that K-H shift, like the, the back of the mouth, Kernos is the horned one. Mm-hmm. So Hearn Her- could also be... Hearn the hunter. <laughs> but I think about him, like, wasn't there... Oh, there was some demon in Buffy that had antlers and was covered in slime. I think it was a chaos demon. Yeah, the covered one of my favorite Buffy chaos demons. demons generally are covered in slime. Uh huh. I really, I like, I like. He's one of my favorite demons. Or Harlequin as the leader of the wild. Oh, world. that was a weird one. Yeah, that's a lot of back formation there. I think so. Well, mm-hmm. so that one starts out as like an old king of Britain, and Britain has a lot of fictional kings. Named Hala? No, that's the bread. It, um, her, it was just Herla. 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 And then that Herla was like the king of the Britons, and he met a dwarf, because you do. They agree to go each other, to each other's weddings, but then it turns out that this is probably the devil or a fairy, and he goes to the wedding, he turns up like 200 years later, and goes crazy and becomes the leader of the Wild Hunt, as far as I understand things. Do you know the other part of the story? Or at least the story. I- Do you know the story that I read? <laughs> let me let me use my mind powers. No, uh, I don't. This one is a little bit. You're a woman. I can't read your mind. <laughs> God damn it. Um, this one's kind of, it's a little cuter. Uh-huh. Uh, so Herla, again, attended the, the wedding in the fairy king's realm. And so he had taken some men with him to carry all the presents They thought they were there for three days. As they were leaving, the king gave gave Herla a greyhound as a gift and said, whatever you do, don't get off your horses until the greyhound decides to jump down. So they get back out into the world and Herla is kind of like, something's different. He asks a, a, a farmer, you know, hey, <laughs> what, you know, what's going, like, what's the news? We've been gone for three days and the guy can't understand it because they're speaking different languages. And so a couple of his men just in like freak out and jump off their horses and immediately turn to ash. So supposedly the Greyhound has still not jumped out of Herla's arms Aww. and they are left, they're continuing to roam the countryside. Of British oh, Isles. and that's why he's leading the wild hunt because he's still on his horse. But to, to continue the, Hel- the Harlequin thing, just briefly, Hella's name becomes like Helikin or Helkin or something like that, and then the Commedia dell'arte adopts this character to become Harlequin. It's not really a direct linear connection; it's just kind of name shifting. But it is kind of neat that the the Harlequin figure is tied so closely to the wild hunt. I know. Yeah, I had no idea. That was a new one on me. That one it. I think you're right. It's not a direct lineage. Like, there's definitely some homage to. Yeah. Because when you read, like, the Harlequin backstory, like, there's none of this other than the kind of the figure. But What is the Harlequin backstory? Italian opera. Oh, right, 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 right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, you're not saying, like, this figure has a whole backstory in Italian opera because he's just a, he's just a type. Uh, me not being the expert on Italian opera. I'm guessing he's just a, a type. I don't think they're... <laughs> but I was intrigued. Like, oh, like he lost his family in a fire and that's why he's doomed to... <laughs> Poor Harlequin. Okay. 
here was a question I had kind of just on phraseology and terminology. So Brittany mm-hmm. is Northwest France. Mm-hmm. Do we know what the, because we say like Great Britain or like, like those isles didn't become Britain until relatively recently, right? What was the name of that island? We talked about this and we were talking about the Celts. Was it was it Albion? Like was that what the locals called it? I think or was it Well that- Albion is associated with Scotland. So oh. that would but isn't it? I mean let's see what was I as I Googled what was Britain before Britain? Rome. <laughs> yeah, what yeah, did the I mean, Romans it became call? a lot of different things. Um, um, oh, here we go. Yeah, Albion is an alternative name for Great Britain. The oldest attestation of the toponym comes from the Greek language. So the White Cliffs of Dover may have given rise to the name Albion. Hmm. And it's also like associated with Scotland because it's a Scottish Gaelic. Well, there's a Scottish, yeah, the name for Scotland in most of the Celtic languages is, is related to Albion. Yeah. Well, let's do Wales for a bit. Okay. Wait, wait. <laughs> and my... Oh, I see what you did there. I, I see. Mm-hmm. Levels, oh, Jacob. Oh. Levels. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Tying directly into my prior question, uh, uh-huh. Cambria. It wasn't Wales, right? Cambria. It was the Cambric Kingdom? The Kingdom of Cambria? That's a name for Wales, apparently. It's the Latin form of the word Kimru. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is probably Welsh for Wales. Um, quite po- Wait, wait, no. Oh, that's meta. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mess with my head, John. <laughs> We've got whale noises, but I can't mess with your head. <laughs> <laughs> the wild pod. <laughs> Podcasting. It's like the whale thing. <laughs> oh, we're whales. Yeah. <laughs> but topic. <laughs> okay. Another idea for a podcast is just one full of whale noises for the, you know, podcasting. Yes. So, Gwynap Nude. Is that how you say it? Gwynap Nude. I, a, a bit. A bit it's of Welsh. a nid. I don't know. Nid? Gwynap Nid? It, it's a vowel we can't make. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. There are a lot of vowels I can't make. So, yeah, so we know, we talked a little bit about this in our Celtic epic cycle of Celtic mythology. But, so, he was a Welsh uh, figure, of course, and ruler of the Welsh underworld, Anwen. And so, his hounds are the Quinn, Kin Anwen. I'm not sure how to say that, C-W-N. But that translates to the dogs of hell, dogs of elfin land. They're also the dogs of the sky, and sometimes the Quinn bendeth imamu, which is the fairy dogs. Okay. These are are white dogs with red ears. Yep, 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 yep. And their their howls foretold death, and everything stopped when they would howl. All birds, even owls, were silent, and... The laugh of the young and the talk of the fireside were hushed when the dreadful howl of the hellhounds was heard. So, really cute hellhound image. Apparently, sometimes one of the one of Gwynap Nude's dogs would just lose the plot and get get broken off from the rest of the pack, and he'd just show up in your house <gasps> and he'd yes, go and he'd go and hang out. But he's kind of an odd critter. 
and he wouldn't eat anything. He just kind of occasionally licked the ash, and then eventually oh. he just vanished because that the next time the like wild hunt drives overhead, he'll just go with them. There's a story about that about the dog that took over the barn for three months, hmm. and two men they just decided, okay, the dog's got the barn because they couldn't get rid of him. <laughs> it's yours now. <laughs> That's right. Like you, you know, you, you know, Godspeed, little doodle. And um, so two men walking past the barn one night heard barking and howling coming from far away. And the dog bolted out of the barn doing a dance of joy and sped off towards the noise. So it's very heartwarming and sweet. I think, Jacob, your dog is one of Gwyneth Nid's dogs who's been lost because he occasionally licks the fireplace. Yeah. He does dances of joy for no reason. That's true. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a third argument. He, he licks the fireplace, but he licks everything. That's just a statistical likelihood. When he's close to you, does his bark sound far away? Yes. Okay. See, he's, he's either a ventriloquist or... Dandy dog. One of... Uh-huh. <laughs> he's, he's a dandy dog. So... These dogs, like there actually is uh, stories going back to the 11th and 12th century about this wild hunt, mm-hmm. um, store, the, the dogs, the story that's told in legend in the, Ma- the first branch of the Mabingon, Pywell, the Prince of Divid, went out to hunt and he was separated from his companions. And so he's listening to the sound, uh, listening for the sound of his pack when he heard another one coming from the opposite direction. And so this new pack set upon a stag and he saw them all shining white with red ears. And these dogs were the dogs of Gwynap Nude. There are a lot of stories about people hearing the dogs and the, the kind of sound. I forgot what the, the physics term is for it of the sounds. If the dogs are close, they sound far away. Vice versa. It's, it's the dogler shift. <laughs> That's exactly right. Ow, man. Jeez, you win. You win. So these dogs are also called the Gwigly, which we also talked about. The Wiggly? Um, which are the, the Gwigly, G-W-Y-L-L-G-I. No, not Wiggly. Mm-hmm. But those tend to be black and more of like a direwolf type dog. And um, they're also called Dogs of Darkness or the Black Hounds of Destiny. But if you see one on a road... It seems like it's likely like as you get further south or into more Christian territory, the dogs turn more evil and direwolfy. And before, they're kind mm-hmm. of like noble hunting hounds. Mm. Like, yeah, and they... And then they just mm-hmm. become more depraved and, and fire-eyed and start peeing molasses. I don't know what evil dogs do. It's true. The ones like the lone hunter stories and just the dogs, when you encounter a dog, the ones, the more, yeah, those are often associated with demons. And they do have like the giant, like saucer sized eyes that are glowing red. They're blowing fire out of their nostrils. The, you know, they're, they're um, breathing sulfur. So they got later dogs get bigger eyes, et cetera. Mm. (laughs) <laughs> I think so. Um, yes. So just one more important Welsh figure is Malti Nos or Matilda of the Night. Do you guys know about Matilda? That's the little girl in the book with the, with the umbrella. It is. 
Uh huh. As a matter of fact, but before she, she was that little girl, she, <laughs> she was a satanic old hag. <laughs> uh, so she, Matilda, hunted uh, people who were about to die, and she she rode in a chariot led by the hellhounds. And the minute somebody like as they were actively dying to the moment, like their very last breath, she began to chase them. And if she caught them, they would go to Anwen. And if they escaped, they might go to heaven. So sometimes she also just set her dogs on living people to capture their souls. So she's another, yeah. So she's another one of those cautionary tales where she had been a noble woman who loved hunting and she swore that she didn't want to go to heaven if there was no hunting. So oopsie. She went to Onwen. Putting anything above God, you could just get go to hell. And supposedly her howling, she also howls, is her regret at making that choice mm-hmm. that she had been beautiful at one time and now she's a hag. And now actually she's a little girl, a precocious little girl. <laughs> With an umbrella. Mm-hmm. With an umbrella. <laughs> um, oh, speaking of which, related to precocious little girls and some of the stories, and this seems more Arthurian. You know, there's there's some debate whether or not like who the hunt is uh, pursuing because sometimes there's no prey, but oftentimes it's souls of the damned if we discuss. But sometimes it's also young women, so that goes into the whole Krampus aspect of Wait, things. That's, mm, that's strange. Well, I guess if you're like going back to Frau Perkta, who who really like, mm-hmm. or or Baba Yaga or any of the other kind of Baba Yaga, I forgot Northern witches. They really yeah. do kind mm-hmm. of like punish young girls a lot. Mm-hmm. And sometimes their hearts or stag, uh, sometimes they are hares or stags. The women? That. They're transformed? Mm-hmm. Oh. Like the, specifically the hares become young women. And I think a heart is a female deer, right? Is that right? Hind, hinds are the female deer. Hinds, yes. So uh, sometimes it's, uh, they are also prey. But anywho. I didn't know. Proceed. Yeah. Proceed mm-hmm. what? Yep. Are we going to start talking about the dandy, the dandy dogs, which I, I keep singing David Bowie's Diamond Dogs in my head every time we say dandy dogs. When do we get to talk about the legend of the dandy dogs? Now. now. How about awesome. now? The devil uh-huh. and his dandy dogs. Mm-hmm. So... Fun fact, when you Google dandy dogs, you get ads for very expensive dog supplements. Or, there's just a picture of a regular hot dog smothered in coleslaw. Not sauerkraut, coleslaw. Like, how is that dandy? That's not right. I I don't know what's going on. No. uh -uh. Well, the devil devil has dandy dogs, so maybe he's really into coleslaw on hot dogs. That must be a... (laughs) regional thing it's the devil salad the devil salad so a herdsman mm-hmm. is traveling across the moors and he hears the bang of hounds which he recognizes as the dismal chorus of the dandy dogs he was very far ah, from see a diamond dogs yeah, di- diamond uh-huh. dogs or dandy dogs oh the david bowie song diamond oh right dog. is that a dismal chorus i don't i don't know there's uh i'm trying to find similarities okay. david bowie there's, is sometimes mm-hmm. a little bit dismal he was very far from home. He ran, but he couldn't see the hunter and his hound. He, well, he ran, but soon he could see the hunter and his hound with horns and tail and the other accoutrement of the devil. The dogs were snorting fire and blackening the ground, and he had no shelter, but he shouted what translated to the boy praise. <gasps> and the dog, 
Okay, about her yeah. Anyway. So this is, we talked mm-hmm. about this in our like about Satan panel where like people latch onto magic that they can perform mm-hmm. and like little things like crossing yourself or sprinkling salt or something. It's like every man religion and it becomes very popular. Mm. Mm-hmm. So the death, the, the, of course, once he demonstrated any sort of religiosity at all, the dogs bolted. So when I read the title Dandy Dogs, I googled Dandy Dogs too. What I saw were these little adorable stumpy-legged dogs that look kind of like Bichon Frise mixed with a Scotty, but like this blonde satiny coat and tiny little Aww. legs. They were so adorable. Dog. The Dandy Dintmont Terrier. And they've got Aww. fluffy little heads. And so I have questions about the devil's taste in dogs at this point. Oh my gosh. Are they like, do they have like little blonde pompadours? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they've got that kind of high poofy head. <laughs> They're like the Gilderoy flo- Flockhearts of the have a dogs. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Oh, and they're like I want a dandy dog. They're they're, they're long. They're wearing little wigs. Like they're they're not tall. They're long. I want one. <laughs> what I've heard about the dandy dogs, or what I learned about the dandy dogs, is the story of Dando and the dandy dogs. Dando and the dandy dogs. And what I have is Dando's backstory. Yeah, who is Dando? I never got that far. It's an early Disney character. Dando. <laughs> tragically racist. Yeah, he was a <laughs> he was the racist version of Dumbo. Wait a minute. <laughs> oh Disney. Oh Disney. Oh Disney, you fascist. Um okay, so Dan- the story of Dando and the Devil, which is also Dando and the and the Dandy Dogs. Or the devil and the dandy dogs. Uh, so this was reported to Robert Hunt in 1865. So this is legit ethnographic research, and it's associated with the area of Cornwall. Oh gosh! So dandy Cornwall was a priest. Has so many things. <laughs> Cornwall is. We need to go to Cornwall. I. It's. It's an interesting place. That in the Isle of Man. So Dando is a priest. Oh, go ahead. Were you going to say May something? 5th, they celebrate Furry Day in Cornwall. Like legit furry? No, day? it's Faru Day. It's like Flo- Saint, Saint oh. Flora's Day, <laughs> but like, it's been corrupted to, to furry day. <laughs> oh, I love it. So, okay, I want to know more about that. Is is there what do they do on that day? Folk dancing. <laughs> of course, no. they do. It's Cornwall. <laughs> what else would the they furry do? Dance yeah, um, takes place every year in May. <laughs> So Dando is a priest, and he, as many of these other figures, indulged in the good life. Um, he did whatever he wanted to. Turns out he was also really well liked by his people because he was very indulgent towards them yeah. because he engaged in the same uh, activities. Um, <laughs> exactly, it's all about key parties and cookie buffets. Um, and I know it's not a key party. I'm sorry, it's key jangling. Very different. But one of the pro- one of the things that he did do that kind of pissed everybody off was that he was a huntsman and ignored all property rules. So he would hunt on people's land oh, no. all the time. Okay. Yes. And so one Sabbath, again, people hunting on the Sabbath, big no-no. Tisk. Um, he had- <laughs> Tisk. Like, he's a priest. He should know better. Um, he was out with his entourage, and they were hunting on what's called the Earth Estate. So this estate called Earth. And after a very exhausting run, Dando wanted to drink, but 
uh, every they they drunk every last drop of what they had with them. So one in his party uh, asked where they could get a drink, and he said, "Go to hell for it if you can't get it on Earth." Ha 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 ha! So he was chuckling at his dad joke, and he was approached by a dashing hunter who presented a fancy flask to Dando, saying, "Here's some choice liquor distilled in the establishment you speak of." So Dando drank while the hunter looked on with a creepy smile. So Dando said, by hell, that was a drink indeed. Do the gods drink such nectar? Flying in the night, this guy needs to stop invoking. (laughs) It gets better. (laughs) So uh, the hunter said, devils do. (laughs) And then Dando says, and they do. I wish I were one, said Dando. And so he's like totally drunk by now. He's like rocketing to and fro. And me, (laughs) this is a direct quote. Methinks the drink is very like. Methinks <laughs> so the drink is very like. He's so drunk. Uh-huh. And he's just kind of just, uh-huh. Methinks the drink is very like. There, There's a missing modifier here. There is. There is. Upsetting. But that's the, <laughs> the quote that I have. So I've just translated into me likey. Me likey. So yeah, let's just pretend like he just said me likey. So as he stared drunkenly at the hunter, the hunter just like stole some of the game that they had bagged. And Dando finally recognizes what's happening and he tries to fight the hunter. And the hunter says, well, what I catch, I keep. And so Dando said, by all devils, they are mine and swore he'd follow the hunter to hell for them. He needs to stop. Invoking. <laughs> <really> like <laughs> exactly um so of course the hunter grabbed dando by the collar put him on his horse and the whole shebang followed by the hounds pounded down the hill emitting fire and leapt into the liner um the, which is a stream nearby and disappeared so uh there's another one um where so the where these dogs are now, the dandy dogs, which I think comes from Dando, potentially. And there are a lot of stories about people um, encountering these dandy dogs that are in Cornwall. So there's kind of this assumption, again, associated with Dando. Hmm. 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 Yep. Well, mm-hmm. I think they're adorable. They're, they sound, sound pretty cute. I would also cute. say that about uh-huh. hellhounds, though. So, you know. I- <laughs> mm-hmm. It is said that early Sunday mornings, Dando's dogs can be heard barking in the distance. Mm, we want kibble. Hunting, yeah. hunting we want on a kibble. <laughs> kibble. <laughs> They're like, Dando, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> we also uh, just a uh, uh, call out to the Shrieker. The Shrieker. The Shrieker. The Shrieker, which is another kind of hellhound. And it, this one is one of chipping. The Shrieker is of chipping. And the Shrieker is essentially a shaggy dog with huge fiery eyes. And another dog, another shaggy dog is named the Shook. Oh, Black black which, Shook is uh, a thing. Like, that's a... Black Shook. That's, a, that's mm-hmm. a name you can conjure with. The belief is that the word Shook comes from the Norfolk dar- dialect, Shooky, which means shaggy. But it, according to the OED, it could be derived from Skooka, which is the devil or fiend, which is a devil or fiend, which is also similar to the Kushi of Celtic lore. The shaggy. So it's a shaggy dog story. Shaggy, that mm-hmm. dog wasn't that shaggy after all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you're having trouble being pursued by a clutch of hellhounds, uh, Wikipedia says that dandy dogs have a hard time climbing stairs. 
uh, because <laughs> they're tiny yeah, little legs. Tiny legs. So it's, they're like Daleks, oh. really. <laughs> In so many ways. <laughs> Except they walk around saying exfoliate, exfoliate. <laughs> Can I do something for the cat lovers out there? This is one of the creatures that we ran out of time for in our a whirlwind tour of the Celtic world, but we didn't get to talk about the cat she. Okay. So the cat she, I know you, y'all are dog people, but this is again for those of us who love cats. But so this is mostly a Scottish tale or critter, but the it's often thought that the cat she's not a fairy, but instead a witch that could transform into a cat nine times, ergo the cat's nine lives. Um, this, this figure is not to be trusted. They believe the cat, she could steal a person's soul before it was claimed by the gods. And by just simply passing over a body before it was buried. Because as you know, cats will walk across anything and like to sit on people's chests. So um, oftentimes these wakes that were events surrounding a person's death were strictly to keep Critters like the cat sheep from stealing the deceased soul. So they also would not put fires in the same room because the cats were attracted to the warmth. So you also have to put out saucers of milk on Samhain or else you'll be cursed. Mm. And there's a specific demonic cat she named Big Ears. You could summon Big Ears and the cat would appear and grant any wish to those who took part in a ceremony which required practitioners to burn the bodies of cats over the course of four days and four nights. So you had to sacrifice cats to big ears to get uh, huh. what? any sort of... Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. It's very strange. It's like an animal advertising itself, you know, to be eaten like a chicken on a fast food restaurant. <laughs> yeah. But here's a really cute story. Uh, this is the king of the cats. So a man comes home to tell his wife and cat, old Tom, that he saw nine black cats with white spots on their chests, on their chests, carrying a coffin with a crown on it. And one of the cats tells the man to tell Tom Tildrum that, Tom, (laughs) let me try that again. Tell Tom Tildrum that Tim Tildrum is dead. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I know. The cat then exclaims, what? Old Tim is dead? Then I'm the king of the cats. And then he, old Tom, then climbs up the chimney and is never seen again. Tell Tom Tildrum that Tim Toldrum is dead. Yep. Okay, this is what the bartender says. Say it twice before I pour your next one. (laughs) You're cut off. Uh You're done. Go home. Have you seen... Have you seen um, Pum Pumpoka Wars, the Miyazaki film? What? No, oh, it's, it's very pretty. It's it's um, it's about uh, t- magical tanuki that are trying to find their place in the modern world. But in one oh. towards the end, they create like a yokai parade, like this parade of like weird mythologicals kind of bouncing around. And there's some similarities there with some of the ideas of the Wild Hunt. I think if you see a yokai parade you're you're gonna die that sort of thing but like the parade of the mysterious and and otherworldly it feels a little like some of the more like low-key versions of the wild hunt we've talked about today what what was the name of that again poco wars is the name of the film um it's it's a very melancholy film because there's a japanese procession 
again, like, like what you described, that's a very, it's actually Japanese folklore that is similar to the wild hunt too. And I thought we could touch sure. on that when we get to Japan, but it's Hayaki Yagyo. It's H-Y-A-K-K-I-Y-A-G-Y long O. That is the night parade of 100 demons. That is exactly what I was talking about. Yeah. Ah, it's see? the image okay, of all the cool, yokai. Cool, cool, yokai cool. is a word that basically means like scary mysteries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we had a we had a delicious episode yeah, about that. Like implying impl- Well, I have to return to. I didn't know this film existed. I'm sorry we keep interrupting you, Jacob. I'm sorry we keep interrupting you, Jacob. <laughs> well, the parade <laughs> long and short, the, the the parade of yokai is what I was trying to get to. Or what I was like hinting mm-hmm. at, it, this is the image of these like mysterious things traveling around, and the Wild Hunt has a lot of that in its mythology. Like mm. the parade mm-hmm. would contain demons, spirits of the dead, fae, and things like that. It was a parade of mysteries. It was a strange, otherworldly incursion to this world. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, that. But Pompoko Wars is the name of the Miyazaki <laughs> film that kind of invokes that idea. Cool. So we we didn't, and again, maybe this is when we have an eternal return episode, but. We didn't touch on any similarities to the dance macabre, if there are any. Because hmm. you talked about funeral, the kind of funereal procession as a version. All the references I'm seeing that link the two are from heavy metal albums. Yeah, <laughs> it happens. But also, we uh, just to touch briefly on why dogs. Well, cats don't howl, and like a lot of this kind they of do. what. Well, they do. <laughs> My cat's howl. But a lot of these, things, a lot of like the early ideas, kind of came back to Porcoy stories about thunder and things like that, and like the baying of the mm-hmm. hounds is kind of part of the sonic background of darkness in the night. And mm-hmm. I, 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 I couldn't imagine any other critter except maybe hyenas, but they don't turn up in Germany very much. Seldom. <laughs> no, they got rid of all the hyenas when they brought in the see, see, um, giant frogs. St. Patrick chased them away. <laughs> That's right. And they, they planted all that kudzu. kudzu. Yeah, like one writer um, was really kind of emphasizing that the wild hunt at its origins is like terror of nature. And it's like that. It's, 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 mm-hmm. it's the, the, the chaos and unknown type things. If you go out at night in the middle of early January, you might die. Like that could happen. Yeah. That's true. So you better stay in. The dogs will, or the dogs will right. get you. But I also think some of the stuff that I saw, it's also because of, dogs are psychopomps because of their relationship to excarnation. <laughs> They're seen around graveyards, eating bodies. They release souls from bodies by doing that. So, and, you know, Anubis is kind of a figure like that as well. Dogs, man. Dogs. We wish you a very happy Halloween. <gasps> Yay! Mm-hmm. And you can Always find more of our episodes on our webpage, dispatch.ist. Check the Find Us On link there to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Patreon, hint, hint, and and et cetera. Uh, Until next we meet, uh, we'll see you in hell. (laughs) Check or treat. podcast is copyright 2021 by the dispatchist and its creative commons you're welcome to reuse with attribution look for us on your favorite podcast app say hi to us on twitter or gmail at the dispatchist no spaces 
Check out our website, dispatch.ist, for more episodes, show notes, and a variety of hellish resources. Were you going to say something? Oh, uh, nah, we've moved on. It was okay. a dumb joke. Oh, like you, why is, why are you stopping now? Oh, cause we're like two topics past dumb joke. <laughs> so it would have been funny yell, if I said it on yell time. Yell it out just randomly. Yeah.